Welcome to the Luxury Listing Specialist Podcast with Michael Lafito, where top luxury agents reveal their best practices, plus interviews with real estate industry influencers, thought leaders, and luxury marketing experts. You'll come away from each episode with new strategies and tactics to dominate high-end homes in any market. And now for the latest episode of Luxury Listing Specialist. Here's your host, luxury real estate expert, coach, and trainer, Michael Lafito. Welcome back. Michael Lafito here. Welcome back to another Luxury Listing Specialist podcast. I'm really excited about uh, today's guest. Uh, before I introduce uh, him, just a, a couple of reminders. If you have any questions about luxury, 2021, the real estate market, please comment below, shoot me an email, michael at marketingluxurygroup.com, michael at marketingluxurygroup.com. Or if you would like to nominate somebody to be a guest, whether they be a team leader, an agent, a broker owner, a service provider, someone that could provide value to the real estate agent industry, the broker industry, the team industry, and best tools, best resources, what's working today, if you will, top secrets of luxury agents. That's really what this is all about. Again, if you have uh, read our book and you get some value, please leave us a like, leave us a review, Luxury Listing Specials. We're actually going to be starting something new. So anybody that does leave us a review on the podcast, which is on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher, anybody that leaves us a review for our book, you will be automatically entered into a drawing uh, where we'll send you a signed copy of Luxury Listing Specials. So again, if you get value, please leave us a like and a review or a comment. All right, today's guest I'm really excited to, to have on. Uh, today I have on Wade Hansen. He's with uh, Remax Results uh, in Minnesota. Welcome, Wade. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, you and I met uh, a few years ago, actually in Indiana at a, a Remax, or actually was it Wisconsin? It was in Wisconsin at uh, Remax uh, Integra. I spoke at an event and they had all the top Remax agents from Minnesota and Wisconsin. And uh, you and I met in person then and uh, since then uh, you've uh, really doing some amazing things I enjoy watching your post and seeing uh, all the success that you've had uh, in Minnesota so tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how long you've been in real estate and I know you have a very small lean and mean team uh, tell us a little bit about that Wade and then we'll get right into things yeah so I've been doing this I got licensed in 1999 so this will be my 22nd year in the business um, I currently run a very small team. I've got one buyer's agent and a full-time admin. Um, we're kind of a group of Navy SEALs, as I've said before. And um, you know, I've seen I've seen it all, the ups, downs, and everything in between. So uh, it's been uh, it's been quite a ride, but uh, it's, it's it's been good. And I, I met you, yeah, like you said, three years ago. Got the designation, read your book. Uh, has definitely gotten some good takeaways out of that. So thank you for what you do. Oh, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, we're. Uh... We're enjoying it. You know, last year there were more and more upper end uh, properties that sold than previous years in most markets. Uh, many, many people are looking at uh, more land and, and more estate type homes. So let's jump right in. So what services do you service, I guess? What areas do you service in the Minnesota area for those that aren't familiar with uh, Minnesota uh, and talk to me about the radius that you serve. Some agents are really local, hyper hyper local. They farm an area, they farm a neighborhood. Talk to me a little bit about you and your philosophy there. 
Yeah, so I'm on the East Metro uh, in the Twin Cities. So I'm on the St. Paul side of the Twin Cities. Um, I do service the entire Metro. I would say probably 80% of my business is east of the river on the St. Paul side. And I do dabble in uh, Western Wisconsin as well. I'm licensed in both states. So I do sneak over into, you know, on the other side of the river into the Hudson, Wisconsin area as well. Okay. And you have a small team, you mentioned, you have a buyer's agent. Um, last year, I think you shared with me before we started, you did about 130 deals. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, about 130 last year. Um, I think we're on pace this year to do right in the 150 range. If all things, uh, if things all work out the way they should and we don't have another uh, COVID spike, uh, I, think, uh, I think we'll be on pace for about 150 this year. That's great. And uh, I think you mentioned going back a few years, uh, you were doing about 100 deals a year. So you saw a 30% bump over the past couple of years. And your average sale price for you uh, went from uh, around six, 650 to about 800 over the past uh, few years uh, as well. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. I mean, I've done everything from I've had teams of you know almost twenty agents in early in my career doing like three hundred and fifty deals a year to you know now running this team where we'll do about a hundred, hundred and fifty deals a year, and our average sale price is right in the eight hundred range right now. Okay, and and out of curiosity, you mentioned that you had a team of about twenty agents at some point, and now it's just a lean and mean. You know, just uh, for those that are thinking, you know, teams is a big buzzword, right? A lot of a lot of groups talk about team training, that sort of thing. Uh, was it just a lot, a lot of personality types? Did the team members want too many leads without going into too many details? Uh, is it just easier to run a lean and mean team? Uh, what's your curiosity? Uh, what's your thoughts out of curiosity there, way? Just because I know teams is a big buzzword for many people. Yeah, teams is. And, and I think for a lot of people, teams work, right? I mean, large teams, is, it's great for a lot of people. And that was pre-recession when I was doing a lot of that. So coming out of the recession, I, like a lot of us, hit reset in my career and really decided what I was best at. And I think my, uh, my skills and my talents were in the field. That's where I needed to be, right? I needed to be nose to nose, elbow to elbow with people. Um, I'm best at sales and marketing, and that's where I needed to be. So managing uh, people just wasn't my niche, wasn't my forte, and wasn't something I wanted uh, to do when I had kind of had to hit reset on my career in uh, 2010 coming out of that recession. So, okay. Yeah. And that, I, I had a very similar experience, by the way, uh, where we had, um, you know, we had, I think six or seven agents on our team and, um, and then we switched companies and uh, we kind of leaned, uh, you know, leaned our team up on, on purpose and then naturally you know, sometimes that happens. Some people want to stay at the, the other brand and that sort of thing. So, you know, some people are, are good with large teams. Other people like to run a lean and mean operation. So let's get right into some 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 uh, meat and potatoes, some question and answer. First off, luxury. Everybody defines luxury a little bit different depending on what part of the country you're in. Some brands define luxury based on a million dollars and above. You know, some brands have redefined luxury. I believe Keller Williams just rechanged uh, the way they determine what luxury price points are. Um, out of curiosity for you and your market, uh, how, we, how would you define luxury when it comes to price point? Now, we know everybody defines luxury, whether it be style, whether it be the experience, whether it be, uh, you know, the various uh, features of a home. But, but from a price point standpoint, Wade, uh, how would you define luxury for the markets that you serve? Yeah, I guess I've always defined luxury, uh, regardless of the market that I'm in, as about one and a half uh, times the average sale price, right? So the average sale price in my market is about three seventy-five, dollars um, and my average sale price was about $800,000. So I was almost double the average sale price. So to me, luxury is always uh, 
been defined as about one and a half the average sale price, uh, no matter the market share. And in my opinion, yeah, you know, I don't think you can run a business, at least in my market, successfully doing only Uber upper bracket properties, right? You can't hit a home run every time. You got to have some base hits and some doubles and some triples. It's just just one of those. You can't have a successful business, in my opinion, in my market, only specializing in those seven digit properties because we just don't have enough of them that trade. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. So a lot, a lot of things we talk about with uh, real estate agents is diversify your portfolio. So your portfolio portfolio being the homes you represent. So whether it be, you know, you have some starter properties that you represent, whether it be buyer or seller, average price points for the markets you serve, upper end or high end, which we define for our course as two times the average sale price for the market you serve. And then luxury, which is three times plus uh, the price point, average price point for the markets. So you really hit the nail on the head there. I just want to reiterate to to our listeners that you want to diversify a little bit. So, you know, if the homes that are selling are more the, the entry level and starter price points and average, don't give up on those still, you know, work those, but then perhaps add some high end and some luxury to your portfolio. Yeah. And, and, you know, to, to kind of dovetail off that, you know, using your skill set and your talents that you would that you have in the upper bracket, bringing those down into an average sale price really sets you apart in that market as well. Right. And so there's not um, it, it's very easy to um, transition those skills and those talents and those techniques into that marketplace as well. And a lot of that comes from referrals. Right. You sell a million dollar house to somebody and their, their kids now a first time home buyer and you're going to sell their kid that, you know, half a million dollar house. Yeah. So, and the exact opposite as well, right? You sell the kid the three to five hundred thousand dollar home. They have a good experience. Maybe mom and dad was at the inspection, and and they like your style, or you hit it off. You know, Daniel Kamen once said, uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner. You know, people would rather do business with someone they like and they trust rather than someone they don't, even if that likable person is offering a lower quality product and service at a higher price. So, I teach agents all the time to offer that higher quality product or service, be likable, and that's how you attract more opportunities. Opportunities. So, um, have you noticed any uh, different demands from from buyers or even sellers? Here we are, you know, in in 2021 uh, than perhaps a year ago, early in 2020, before the pandemic hit. What are what are you seeing in in your market up in Minnesota? Drastic changes. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when COVID kind of first hit March 15th of last year, almost this one year anniversary. You know, I feared recession all over again. You know, I've been through the bad times. So I feared that all over again. And it's done just the opposite here. So we've had everything from COVID. Of course, we had the riots happening in the, in the cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul last June. Um, so all of those things have kind of driven people out into the suburbs. And some of the things that they're looking for right now are more space, more outdoor space. Uh, pools are suddenly uh, valuable in Minnesota. We can, we can use them, what, three months out of the year. And suddenly they're uh, at an all-time high as far as value. Um dual office spaces. People are learning that they can commute into the city only you know, once or twice a week and work from home the rest of the time. Um, so I'm seeing a lot more demand as I'm sure everybody is for um, just more space and more usable space within their home. The open concept isn't quite as popular as it was a year ago, just because of the noise factor, right? My kids are homeschooled, mom and dad are working from home and you, know, you want to ha- have a little bit more designated space. So yeah, I'm seeing a lot of things different. Um, you know, Even folks that bought homes from me two years ago are now upgrading or you know moving into something different because the spaces just don't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And that's very, very similar way to what other guests and other people that we're speaking to are seeing across, uh, you know, uh, cross market, so to speak. Now, 
first off, I, I noticed uh, you, you, we talked a little bit offline. You were rated the number one luxury real estate agent for Remax, and um, I saw a posting of it. So first off, congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank and you, yeah. so I said, you know, I said, did you internally, you know, calculate that? How did you come across? Obviously, Remax is an amazing brand. Uh, Ann Miller, she's doing some great things with the Remax collection division. She actually uh, attended one of my trainings uh, about a year ago. And I asked you, how did you find out about that? And and what was your answer? Uh, this, this little trophy showed up in the mail, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the award season is... Um you know, February and, um, this season was a lot different due to COVID. Right. So your awards show up in the mail and I had no idea. And that showed up and that, yeah, I was number one in uh, the entire state of Minnesota. So it was quite a, quite an accomplishment for, for my team. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great job. Congratulations. And, um, you know, there's, I always teach real estate agents, read your audience, understand, right. We talk about mirroring. We talk about disc personality, you know, Wade is a left brain analytical. You could tell he's got a cool, calm demeanor about him. And uh, again, you just don't know when you're dealing with a buyer or seller uh, necessarily what their, their personality types are ahead of time, right? So uh, do some research, do some research on them through social media, uh, through uh, various platforms. And, you know, you do want to adapt a little bit your uh, your presentations, whether you're working with a buyer or a seller, you know, Wade is a little bit more left brain. He's a number cruncher. So if I was sitting across the table from Wade, I, I would talk a little bit slower. I'd have more visuals. I wouldn't just say we're number one in Minnesota. I'd have to show it and, and with, with so, you know, with proof, right, with the analytics. So that's just a, a good reminder for those that are listening. You can't treat all buyers the same and negotiate with buyers all the same. Same thing when you're sitting across the table from a seller. Uh, you have some emotional sellers and you have the, the logical sellers and the way you communicate with your clients uh, makes the experience better. Uh, you might be able to articulate and get th through to them a little bit more and uh, you'll get you'll get better results. So from a um, list to sale ratio, you, you, you said about a, about si offline, you shared with me about 65% of your deals are more seller-based and around 35% are buyer-based. Are you seeing, uh, first off in Minnesota, uh, every terminology, every state terms it differently, but uh, is dual agency allowed in Minnesota? Yes, we, we do allow dual agency. And um, specifically, it's a great question, specifically in the upper bracket for me, um, on we'll say the 750 and up properties, I do dual agency about 25 to 30% of the time, which is a pretty high number. Um, and I think that's just a direct result of the marketing that I do to bring the buyer to the property, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of agents' mindsets, especially in the under half a million dollar range in my market, is just stick a sign in the yard, put it in the MLS, and hope somebody shows up to buy it. Um, I think if you're willing to spend the money on marketing, you can you know, attract that buyer and uh, manage both sides of the transaction in a dual agency situation. So, And you bring up a good point. I find too, the upper price points you go, you're going to see an increase of dual agency uh, because of, in, you know, your case and ours, we're doing some really outside the box creative marketing, but also there are a little bit, many times they want to deal directly with uh, the agent. I'm not sure if they think they'll, they'll get a better deal or whatever it is, but um, but we've found historically that the higher up you go in price point, the, the higher percent of of dual agency occurs. And out of curiosity for your other price points, let's just say 500 and below, what percent of the time on your listings is dual agency occurring? Less than 10%. I'd say like 5% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so about five, five to six times more yeah. in that upper price point. Uh, good information there, Wade. I appreciate that. Hi, it's Michael Lafito. 
here with a quick break from the podcast. If you are committed to increasing your average sale price and you want to work smarter, not harder, then you want to check out LuxuryListingSpecials.com where you'll find out more information about the Lux designation along with some additional resources. Again, I'll repeat, check out LuxuryListingSpecials.com. And now let's get back to the show. Talk to me about what, what kind of advice would you have for, you know, you got, you got an agent, maybe they're newer, maybe they're not newer, they're a veteran agent, but they really, their sweet spot has been, you know, the average price properties. Talk to me about what advice would you have for them as to if they want to break into the upper price points, break into luxury, so to speak, what advice would you have for them? Oh man, I could talk about that forever. Um, you know, there's a lot of things. I think one, I'm blessed to have a really strong admin She's phenomenal at what she does. She's really professional. She has the same level of high standards that I have. Um, I think, you know, to our core, our standards are just high. Whether you're selling a $200,000 home or a $2 million home, we have the same standards and the same, we're going to treat that client the same. I would say kind of back to what you were talking about a minute ago, talking about uh, personalities and analytical and so on and so forth. I think the one thing that probably separates me from uh, my competitors that I've, it's taken me a while to realize this is just who I am and, and how I operate my business and why I'm successful in the upper bracket is I'm, I'm trying to remove as much emotion from the transaction as possible. It's, it's a very emotional transaction. And I think if we can just take that and, and table it, I think that the client's going to benefit, right? I think if the client gets emotional, I think the client loses nine times out of 10, whether you're buying or whether you're selling. I think that um, the people that I like to hire in my life, whether that's a financial advisor or an attorney or a doctor, I want the facts. I want to know what's best for me and I'm going to take their advice and run with it. And that's really how I operate my business. I'm going to give you the facts. I'm going to tell you what's best for you and your property. Every time I'm always going to do what's best for you. Uh, and, and most of my clients are, you know, whether they're CEOs, CFOs, athletes, politicians that I've worked with in the past, they um, they rely on that advice from their expert and they'll follow that advice. So I think that I see too much emotion from a lot of agents that are used to doing that average sale price, you know, and yay, we wanted multiple offers and we you know, just get really emotional about the transaction. Really what we have is an asset here and we're going to try and maximize the value of that asset and get you uh, as much money as possible, shortest amount of time with the least amount of pain, right? Mm -hmm. very, very good advice. So, um, so talk me through that. That sounds all, I'm playing devil's advocate here now, Wade. That sounds great in theory, but uh, you know, you present an offer to me. You, you, you're the listing agent. I'm the seller. I have a high price point home. I feel like in my mind, it's worth X and we're, we're, we marketed it. Uh, you convinced me to market at a certain price point to get more activity. And I have, and we get a, a in my mind, a lower offer and I'm upset. And uh, you know, I'm telling you, Hey, Wade, you know, I don't even want to counter these people. How, how would you calm me down? How would you bring me back? Uh, you know, so so the emotion is is less in that conversation. Yeah, again, kind of going back and looking at the facts, right? All right, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, and I realize this isn't the number you're looking for, but let's take a, look, a hard look at how many homes have transacted and sold in the last six months in this price point. You know, there's been, let's say one sale in this price point. We have that buyer that's going to move through the market in the next six months on the hook. Let's see what we can do to, to reel them in, right? I mean, I think you just have to look at the facts. This isn't, um, there aren't 10 people in line waiting for a home like yours, right? We've got that one person and let's see if we can, you know, bring that person to the finish line. So I think just uh, working with market data, working with the facts and, uh, you know, trying to, convince them, not convince them, but, you know, 
share with them those th- those data and facts, I think can definitely remove some of that emotion. And look, in some cases, I'm always going to do what's best for the seller. In some cases, I'm okay with rejecting an offer. You know, I, in some cases, I'll say, yeah, I think we can do better based on the facts. But again, if we show them that data, um, we can, then we can support the reasons why we can reject that offer. Yeah. So do you, do you use good visuals? Do you have some kind of service in your multiple listing service or something you subscribe to that maybe shows list to sale ratio, uh, days on market, you know, uh, how many, you know, if, if I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent, the reason I bring that up, Wade, I'm a big proponent in strong visuals. So we have some really good tools that we use from our multiple listing service that our bar graphs and that sort of thing. So I'm working with the seller right now. And uh, we've had you know a lot of activity, and there's just not a lot of sales in their price point for their area. And you know, I know that the price that they they want to get uh, statistically, it's going to be very difficult to get there. And so, you know, like you said, taking the emotion out of it, going back to the analytics, the numbers. Here's historically what things have been doing for the last six months, uh, and having good strong visuals uh, helps me articulate that message a little bit more. Uh, how, how do you do you use visuals? What, what do you do to articulate uh, the data to your clients? Yeah, and I'm hoping by that point, when we've received that offer, I've built enough trust that they can trust what I'm saying. So a lot of the stuff uh, nowadays is done via phone conversations, right? So I don't, I'm not as able to deliver some of that those visuals to them. Um, so just using MLS data and uh, hopefully establishing that trust, uh, where they just trust what I'm saying and, and understand that I'm, I'm going to give them the facts, whether they like to hear the facts or not. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know, this, this is reality. This is where we're at. And this is what we need to do to get where we want to go. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm probably not as visual and as I guess flashy as maybe some agents and, and maybe um, that's worked against me in some cases. Um, but for the most part, I think my agents trust what I'm saying and I give them the, the facts. Good. Uh, from a technology standpoint, any tools and resources that you've ha- you're having a lot of success with that makes either day-to-day operation or just communicating with your clients or just a from a marketing standpoint that uh, you'd like to share with the group? Yeah. So, I mean, for as far as keeping in touch with clients, I'm, I get pretty old-fashioned and I kind of cater to what they want. I mean, some want emails, some want text, some want phone calls, some want Zoom meetings. So, it kind of, it's situational depending on the client. There's some clients that just say, Wade, the property is yours, go get it sold. And they don't want to hear from you. So it, it's really situational. Um, as far as marketing right now, um, I, made a, I made a major shift in my marketing dollars about two years ago to, uh, to social media. And I, I was probably even a little late to the, to the dance there, but um, I've pulled away from a lot of, I used to do a ton of print um, and print still works with some properties. You know, I always tell people I'm going to really work backwards, identify who I think the, the buyer is for your home mm-hmm. and, and, and create a marketing plan based on that. Um, and if that buyer is maybe a baby boomer that isn't on social media as much, I mean, then print might work. But right now, social media has been a game changer for me. And I outsource that now, you know, some of the algorithms and things that have changed and, and fair housing policies within Facebook and Google and everything else. Uh, I, I just can't keep up on it. So I now outsource that. I've got a third party company that I work with locally here that, uh, that handles that for me. Good. Good. So social media, you've had a lot of good engagement there. You do some really uh, great job with your photos and your drone photos. And are you incorporating some video on some of these upper end properties as well? Video is huge. Yeah. A lot of video, you know, and making sure that you're doing the, the 15 second, the 30 seconds uh, short videos that are, are going to get to them on the Instagrams and the Facebooks and things mm-hmm. like that. And then making sure that you're getting it in front of the right eyeballs. So mm-hmm. uh, videos been a game changer. 
uh, what, and I think you probably answered this, but what's one thing that totally you feel like is your unique value proposition? You know, one thing that Wade Hansen is known for, in your opinion, that totally sets you apart uh, from perhaps other agents selling luxury, dabbling in luxury, or that are, are focusing in luxury? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know if there's just one thing, but I would say it really comes down to just having high integrity. And I mean, you can't fool these savvy consumers. I mean, you've got to have a really high level of integrity. They have to know that their needs are always going to come first. You're not chasing a commission check. And um, I'm okay saying no to a deal if it's not right for them, if it's not right for me. Um, I think just having that really good set of core values and and high integrity is really what sets me apart. I would say 70% of my business, almost 75 last year came from referrals. Um, and I think that's a sign of, you know, just how I treat people and um, them feeling confident they can refer me to their, you know, their friends. So 75% of your business approximately came from referrals. Do you have a system to attract referrals? Is there, you know, you, you know, Buffini and some of these guys, there's different things that are, that are touching your clients to re- remind them what it is you do. Do you ask for them or is it, they just know that you work on a referral based business and because you level, you offer such a high level service, they just naturally come in. Talk to, talk to us about that. It's a little bit more natural for me. I guess I'm not out there asking for referrals. You know, I try to always stay top of mind. Again, social media is a good way to do that, reminding people that uh, what I do for a living and I've been doing this for 22 years and I've got the the background and the experience and you're not, I'm not one of these newbies that's just jumping on the real estate bandwagon right now because it's hot. And I just think it's it's the gray hair syndrome, right? I've been doing this long enough. People just know that who, who the guy, the go-to guy is in the local marketplace. And I've, I'm fortunate enough to uh, to be that person. Did you say the great hair system? The the gray hair syndrome, I call it. Oh. The longer you're in the business, the more gray hairs you have, the more referrals you're going to get. Oh, right? I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah, because you you look like you're about 32 years old, and I don't see uh, a little I don't bit see many grays on you. But <laughs> so, hey, real quick, for those that aren't familiar with Minnesota, I teach agents all the time. You know, your feeder cities, your feeder markets, right? So, where are people coming from that are going to Minnesota, and where are Minnesotans? moving out, you know, and moving to, I got to imagine warmer climate, but um, fill me in on that. So where are you seeing from a, uh, from a migration standpoint, where are folks from Minnesota, if, if they, they're not happy with the politics or the taxes or, or the cold weather, or whatever it might be, where are there, are there three or four areas that you're seeing um, consistently that people from Minnesota are moving to? Yeah, right now I would say uh, Florida. Arizona, and I'm starting to see some uh, some Texas, like Austin, some of those areas. I'm starting to see some of that. But I would say Florida and Arizona have always been the, the, the two front runners for obvious reasons. So, you know, Florida and Arizona, the weather. And then uh, I think uh, taxes in Florida are, are you know, much lower income tax, that type of thing for, for my clients. As far as coming here, you know, that varies. Um, you know, we have 3Ms, a major corporation here. Um, we're out, my, my community that I live in is a bedroom community for 3Ms. So we get people from all over the country, all over the world for that matter, that relocate into 3M, Ecolab. We've got physicians, uh, travelers insurance. We have a lot of, you know, general, general mills, uh, a lot of, you know, fortune 500, even fortune 100 companies here in the Twin Cities Metro. That's even changing a little bit. Our relocation business has really, um, softened, obviously, with uh, with COVID, just uh, people finding out that they can work from home and, and don't have to work and, and live in the, the local marketplace anymore. So that'll be interesting as we continue to progress through COVID, how that changes where people come from and where they go, because I, I definitely think that will change. 
That's that's good information. I appreciate that. Uh, it's always interesting. So build relationships with agents in your in your feeder markets and all markets. You just don't know. It's a small circle, especially with the upper end price points. Uh, time management. I mean, you're 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 married. You have kids. Selling 130 homes a year. You know, one every two and a half days. Uh, how, how do you manage your time with such a small team? I know you got a strong admin. It sounds and you got a buyer's agent. You know, talk to me. Are you are you are you three or four nights a week, you're, you're gone as every weekend, you're, you're gone. Talk to us a little bit about that because time management is one of the things that many agents struggle with that are selling 30 homes a year, let alone 130 a year. It's tough. It's probably one of the toughest things to manage in this industry. And one of the biggest challenges I've probably had in the 22 years I've been doing this in the upper bracket, that consumer, whether that's a physician or a CEO or an athlete, they're working weird hours, they're working long hours, and they expect the same from you, right? I mean, if you're going to succeed in that in that price point, they expect you to have the same hours that they work. And those aren't Monday through Friday, nine to five, 40 hour a week uh, employees. They're just not. They didn't get to where they are by by not working 70, 80, 90 hours a week. So, you know, you're on a lot. I mean, there's it's hard to find balance in this. And, um, you know, you have to, I guess ride the highs when they're there and enjoy the lows when they're when they're there as well right because there's times in my marketplace when things are soft and quiet and it's okay to enjoy that time with your family and uh, when it's when it's hot like it is right now um, you just got to knuckle down and um, and have some a little bit of delayed gratification for some of these vacations and things we want to have right sure sure well, some some really good good nuggets there, folks. I mean, Wade Wade's doing some great things, and you hear him talk about integrity, probably under promise and over deliver. Uh, doing you know, being a trusted advisor, and that's the key when you go in those upper price points, right? Salesmen want the deal, an advisor doesn't. I'm working with a professional uh, coach uh, that's on, on Chicago Bears right now, and he's thinking about buying or renting. And based on his situation, you know, I I, I shared with him, I think renting would be a better situation, right? That salesman wants. The, the commission. They want the sale. A trusted advisor says, you know, here, here you go, you know, and uh, that's really the key with these upper price points. And that's how you get referrals like Wade does. Now, Wade, if somebody has a, uh, a question or they want to reach out to you, or they might have a uh, potential referral for you in Minnesota. What's the best way for somebody to reach out to you? Sure. So my website's just wadehanson.com. Uh, you can find my email address and phone number on there. Uh, Wade at wadehanson.com is my email. Uh, those are probably the two best ways to reach out to me and happy to help any referrals and pay out any referral fees. Not a lot of people are coming to Minnesota this time of year. It's uh, a balmy one above as of right now, but uh, I would love to work with uh, anybody's referrals. And that's Hanson with an O-N, H-A-N-S-O-N, correct? That's correct. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, no problem. So again, uh, thank you for your time, Wade. Uh, Michael Lofito, if you guys have any questions whatsoever for Wade or for me, shoot me an email, Michael at Marketing Luxury Group. I'll make sure I get those over to Wade. And as I mentioned, if you have any questions whatsoever, please uh, shoot them over to me. As I mentioned, we are starting a new series in 2021. We're basically giving away a, a book a month and we're going to be increasing that with some other things. So if you get some value from this episode or a future or past episode, please don't keep us a secret. And exciting news, we just launched. I'm co-founder of a diversity designation. You can go to diversitydesignation.com for more information. But if you're an agent that works with a melting pot in a community, you're, you're, you're looking to differentiate and, and bring more value to your marketplace uh, in 2021, check out diversitydesignation.com. I'm uh, a co-founder of that. We have some amazing trainers 
and uh, really looking forward to doing some great things in our industry there. So keep raising the bar in real estate. I'm your host, Michael Lafito. Remember to prove others wrong. And uh, until next time, take care, everybody.